0: I love the church. I love this church. I love you guys. I really, really do. But if you haven't figured out by now that Sunday mornings is not all there is to having this relationship with Jesus, let me wake you up just a little bit, okay? Because there's a lot of good things that happen all during the week that make us who we are, and then we come together on Sundays and celebrate and get refilled to go out and annoy the devil some more. Okay? Is that all right? So this message, uh, this message series is, is called Revolution. We need a, a revolution in the body of Christ. We need to to break out of the mold of we do this, we come to church, we gather. We do this, we go away, we wait till next Sunday, we come together again, we do it again, and we just get in this routine and this pattern and this habit of, well, if I need something from the Lord, obviously whoever is standing up here will say it and I will get it. Instead of, I have a responsibility in my own life, in my own heart to connect with Jesus. Anybody mad yet? I hope not. I had to save this one for one pastor. Sam wasn't here, so don't tell him. Shh. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So let's get started. The, the title of, of this lesson is Going the Wrong Way for All the Right Reasons. Going the Wrong Way for All the Right Reasons. The world, your family, even common sense at times tells us that radical faith is for someone else. or for the really anointed people, like Jonathan Finley. But Jesus, our example, was a revolutionary. Jesus just messed up church everywhere he went, and it was a good thing. Every once in a while, we just need to get a little messed up. Every once in a while, we just need the Holy Spirit to show up and, and, and just grab us by the head and do like that a little bit. Right? Revolutionaries, these nobodies in the New Testament. And guess what? You were born to be a revolutionary. You were born again to be a revolutionary. I don't care about what happened before you were born again, the the circumstances that you were born into. When you were born again, the heart of the revolutionary came into you. Wrote a blog on it this week. If you didn't get to read it, you can go to ncctyler.org and read that blog. Yes, that is a shameless self-promotion, but you can read it. The church that Jesus died for and is the head of was intended to be counter cultural. But instead, we've become a subculture. You understand the difference? Now, I, I have no problem. I know sometimes that I get up and I can seem very passionate about something and somebody doesn't understand the way that I'm saying it or, or what I'm really saying. That's why I started off this whole thing to, to tell you how much I love you. I'm not up here to, to, to slap anybody or spank anybody or anything like that. Um, but some of the things I say, I want you to just go, hmm, I hadn't thought about it that way. We were created to be countercultural. To be countercultural, we have to engage the culture. And we have to challenge culture. A subculture is something that sets itself apart from the culture. And we find ourselves so often being a subculture instead of countercultural just because it's easier. Right? We go to Six Flags on Christian Family Weekend. We try really hard to to group ourselves with with other Christians. And that's okay. That's fine. But if our heart is to just hide from those who really need who we are, then we're missing it. Amen? Amen? Jesus engaged culture. He didn't hide from culture. And you were created to engage this culture. You were created to be a part of what changes the culture. We have fallen into this trap. And hey, please vote. I'm not saying don't vote. I'm not saying don't vote. Vote. I don't know which one you're going to pick, but vote, okay? I'm not crazy about either one of them. But if we think that all we have to do is elect somebody new and it will change everything, we've missed it. We may get somebody in office that that does Believes more the way that I think or something like that. But that is not going to change people's hearts. Part of the blog that I was writing is, you know, we have these power to the people revolutions. And all that really does is change who has the power. It doesn't change culture. It doesn't change people's hearts. It just throws some people out and puts new people in. I'm all for democracy, okay? Don't think that I'm not. I am all for democracy. I'm all for voting in the right people. I'm all for hearing God and who He wants to have in. And I've told people for years, the Bible says that that God chooses our leaders. We've had some good leaders. We've had some not so good leaders. I really believe that God chooses leaders to either bless us Or to bring some judgment. And as I look at the political landscape right now, (laughs) I don't know that we have a choice. (laughs) So I'm saying, I don't care who's in office. I've been called to engage this culture. I've been called to be revolutionary. And so have you. So what is a revolution? The definition of revolution is a far-reaching and drastic change in the ideas and methods. A fundamental change. Listen to this. A fundamental change in the way that we think about a subject. Now when you hear the word revolution, sometimes we think about, you know, a some kind of armed revolution, the American Revolution, or something like that. But the definition of revolution is change the way you think. Revolution starts in the heart. It changes the way that we think about something. Then the actions come. You get that? So if a revolution is changing the way that we think, Romans 12.2, which is a scripture that I really like, (laughs) Romans 12.2 says, for those of you who don't have any clue what I'm talking about, when I was the youth pastor, the youth group was called 12.2, okay? And that's what it meant. Some of you are going, oh, that's what that meant all those years. (laughs) It's Romans 12.2, Which says, out of the New Living Translation, Don't copy the custom and behaviors of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Notice it didn't say by changing what you think. It says by changing how you think. The Lord wants to change the way that we think about things. It's already in our spirit. When you were born again, it was placed inside of you. And we have to allow it to begin to consume who we are. Backing up to Romans 12.1. Still out of the New Living Translation. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Because of all he has done for you, let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. This is truly the way to worship him. How do we worship him? I put this together for you, for those of you that have already gone to sleep. I know a lot of you have, this this is what Christians are good at. This is what church folks are good at. They have have, uh, learned how to go to sleep with their eyes open. (laughs) I'm looking at you, but I'm not in this room. (laughs) Let me put this together for you. Sacrifice. This is truly the way to worship him. Sacrifice. This is truly the way to worship him. To be revolutionary, you must be willing to sacrifice. You must be willing to sacrifice. It's a difference. It's kind of like, you know, when I, when, I was, when I was in high school, I was a good athlete, but I was never a great athlete. You know why? I was never willing to sacrifice. I had some natural abilities, and those natural abilities carried me. But I know guys that were less talented than me that played better than me, because they were willing to sacrifice. See, during the summer, when I should be running, and I should have been lifting weights, and I should have been doing all these things, I was laying on the couch eating Cheetos, watching Scooby-Doo. Then, about a week before two days would start, I'd run outside and go, Man, it's hot out here. <laughs> Try to get in shape in a week. It didn't work. I wasn't willing to sacrifice. You see, when we hear that word sacrifice, and what do we think? We think somebody's trying to take something from me. Sacri- it's not a sacrifice if, if I'm taking it from you, it's robbery. Okay? If you think God's taking something away from you and you're like, I'm sacrificing this to Jesus, no. That will make God a thief. Sacrifice is when I go, I really want this. I even think I need this. But Lord, you can have this. And if, if, if the church of Jesus Christ, if NCC is going to be a revolutionary type of church, we're going to have to sacrifice. If I want one of those relationships with, with Jesus that, that people go, wow, he really knows the Lord. It comes through sacrifice. It doesn't come through eating Cheetos, laying on the couch and watching Scooby-Doo. Right? How do we, I'm going to run through some things here, but we're but, but just kind of setting the tone of where we're going to go in the next 20 minutes. Once again, we hear sacrifice and we think the Lord's trying to take something away from me, or we hear sacrifice and we think that it's something that's so, so huge and big, and it can be big. It can be big. You know, when God came to, to Abraham and he said, Hey, you know that promise I gave you? That kid named Isaac? What did, what did the Lord ask him to do? I know you can say it. I know it's hard to come out because we as Americans, we have trouble with it, don't we? But the Lord asked him to sacrifice. Right? Right? Somewhere along the way, we got these ideas that all these people that are written about in the Bible—they obviously had some kind of some something special that that you and I don't don't get to, to have a part of. Because we have this idea that that Abraham, whatever he was doing at that moment, when God said, "Hey, take Isaac, take him up on the mountain, sacrifice him," whatever Abraham was doing at that moment. I'm pretty sure it ruined his day. Right? Why? Because he was human. I just don't see him, whatever he was doing, feeding the sheep or whatever he was doing, I don't, I don't believe that, that he had that moment where the Lord spoke to him and he goes, I didn't like that kid anyway. Or he didn't go, Whoo, I can't wait to tell Sarah what God just told me. He wouldn't have been human if he hadn't struggled with it. Sometimes God asks us to do these big things. Sometimes God has given us this promise and God's going, give it back to me. Let me have it. Let me have your promise. And you're going, but but God, that's my promise. And God's going, no, give it back to me. Give it back to me. I know I've, I've said this before. But if Abraham had not been willing to do what he had done, Isaac would have grown up and Abraham would have been the father of one kid. Two, if you you know. Somebody's going to come up to me afterwards. Don't you know that Abraham had two children at that time? Okay, I understand Ishmael was there. There was one kid of promise. So Abraham could have been the father of one or he could have fulfilled his destiny and become the father of multitudes to get to where God really wants us to go to be who God really has called us to be we have to sacrifice even when God comes along and goes hey that great thing that I just gave you that promise that I just gave you give it back to me and you go like no lord i don't want to well do you want to be the father of one kid Or do you want to fulfill your destiny in God and be the father of a multitude? Because if Abraham had never been obedient to that, he would have been the father of one kid. But because he was willing to lay down his son, do you see the type and shadow in this? He was inviting God in, in, in on our behalf and God sacrificed his son. So God sometimes asks us in these big ways. But then he sometimes he just asks us in little ways. I don't know about you guys, but you know there's just sometimes when I go home after work, I don't want to do anything. I know that you guys think that as soon as I go home that, you know, I just get with God and I'm floating around in the third heaven all the time. And that's most of the time. <laughs> but there's just times when I've had one of those days. You ever have one of those days? And you're going, hey, you're a pastor. What, how do you have one of those days? Because of you. <laughs> knock, knock, knock. You busy, Pastor Chris? No, come on in. I just sit up here waiting on people to show up at my office. The phone rings. Pastor Chris, Pastor Chris, Pastor Chris. I get to, hey, and I understand whatever is on your heart is the most important thing in the world to you. And Because I love you, I want to listen. I want to be compassionate. But there's just sometimes, you know, people will call up and, Pastor Chris, do you realize that we don't have a ministry to left-handed accordion players? nobody's reaching out to them. Well, sister, you make it happen. <laughs> and there's sometimes I, after those I just want to go home. I, I just want to turn on the TV. And it's in those moments God's going, hey, let's hang out. Like, God, I've been dealing with your kids all day. I don't want to hang out. I just want to watch TV. But you know, that's a sacrifice as well. To be who God has called us to be. There's just sometimes God's going, come hang out with me. Come hang out with me. Come hang out with me. Yeah, but God, I want. Do you think God probably knows a little bit better what I need than what I think I need? I'd say so. I'd say so. So, let's run through some things here real quickly. Let's look at the sacrifice of Jesus. Now, I know that that we understand the the, the ultimate sacrifice of Jesus. He laid down his life. If, If you're in here for the first time this morning and you have never heard that story, please find me after the service because I would love to tell you the story of Jesus and how he died for you. But Jesus sacrificed along the way as well. And sometimes we don't think about that either. That Jesus came to this earth to live it as a man. And as a man, Scripture tells us that he was tempted like we are. And I had somebody tell me not too long, well, Jesus had superpowers, so it wasn't a real temptation. No, he was tempted like we are, so he could overcome it on our behalf. And then give us the authority in our lives to overcome it ourselves. So Jesus came to this earth as a man. And guess what? He had to sacrifice. He had to sacrifice family connections in Matthew 12. It says, someone told Jesus, your mother and your brothers are standing outside and they want to speak to you. I'm not Jesus, I'm telling you, if my mom's standing out there and she sends somebody in here and she says, I need to talk to you, I'm leaving y'all, my mom's going to win. But Jesus was willing to sacrifice family connections. Because when they said, hey, your mom's outside, your brothers are outside and they want to talk to you, and if you don't know the backside of the story is they really wanted to talk to him because they thought he'd lost his mind. They wanted to calm him down a little bit. Instead of going, hey, y'all, hang on. My mom's out there. I'll be right back. He says, who's my mom? Who's my brothers? It's those that are doing the will of the Father. He says, look at these. This is, my own. this is now my family. This is now my family. Jesus was willing to sacrifice that family connection to be who God had called him to be. He knew the expectations of his family. But he was going to fulfill the dream of God. And he wasn't going to let anything hold him back. And I've heard people say before, well, we know that he, you know. That's why Jesus didn't come nowadays in the south because mama might not have taken that as an answer. (laughs) Boy, I told you to get out. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus sacrificed social connections. In Matthew 13, we have this story. And it's an amazing story. It says that um, he returned to Nath. Well, let me tell this first. At 12 years old. Remember this Though This is not in the scripture right now. But you can leave it up there. It's okay. These guys back here really have to do a good job. Because us guys up here, we bounce all over the place. And they're going, is it now? Is it now? Is it now? <laughs> Jesus, at 12 years old. We have the story in Luke. Jesus sitting there in the temple, discussing and questioning with the the, the leaders, with the teachers of the law. And it says that he was amazing them. Jesus was a superstar at 12 years old. I want you to think about this, parents. At 12 years old, 13 years old, your kid is so good at a sport Everybody knows about it, man. He's getting recruiting letters already. And here's Jesus. He's amazing, the teachers of the law. And the way that it worked, in the the times of Jesus, everybody had a little Bible school, but it was those who really were good at it, man, they got called up to the next level. Because you could kind of look at it like, you know, there's lots of people who play high school ball. There's just a few that get called up play college ball so he's at this place and he's amazing people don't think for one second the bible doesn't tell us but just this is my imagination that there weren't people coming around going hey was that that kid hey was that that kid wow and they're recruiting him because at 12 and 13 years old that's what they were doing they were recruiting boys to come be the disciples of rabbis do you not think that as he was sitting there in Jerusalem and amazing the teachers of the law, that they weren't taking notice? And they weren't going, hey, I want that kid to be my, my, my disciple. Hey, I want that kid to be my disciple. Jesus could have done it the, the way that everybody else was doing it. He could have gone and been a disciple of, of somebody else. He, he would have been a superstar. But he did it God's way. He didn't go to the best college, the best rabbi university. Because rabbis in training from 12 till 30. How old was Jesus when he started his ministry? 30. He was in training, just not the way everybody else was doing it. So here comes the scripture. Scripture. In Matthew 13, it says, He returned to Nazareth, his hometown. When he taught there in the synagogue, everyone was amazed. They're still amazed at what he's what he's saying. They're still amazed by Jesus. But they say, Where did he get this wisdom? Why are they questioning that? Because they know that he hadn't sat at the feet of Gamaliel like Paul had. He had not been in the best rabbi school like like these other guys have. They're going, where did he get this wisdom? He wasn't trained to be a, to be a rabbi. Where does he get this wisdom and these power to do these miracles? Then they scoffed. He's just the carpenter's son. And we know Mary, his mother, and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. All his sisters live right here among us. Where did he learn all these things? See, we don't think about what Jesus went through socially, do we? But he was willing to sacrifice to be who God had called him to be. He was willing to not do it the way everybody else was doing, or the way that he was told to do it, or you got to do it this way, you have to do it that way, you have to have three points to your message, or it's not anointed, I only have two. But he he was shunned by the crowd. But he was loved by the outcast. Philippians 2 tells us that, that Jesus sacrificed his rights as God, his pride as a man, and his life as a Savior. And Scripture tells us To have that same attitude. See, being good Americans and even good Texans, we know our rights, don't we? I know my rights. I guarantee you, probably without exception, if you're a Texan in here, you know what the Second Amendment is. I know my rights. Got one right here, right here. (laughs) I know my rights. But Jesus had rights, yet he was willing to sacrifice his rights. To be who God had called him to be. To do what he was sent to do. And if we're going to be who God has called us to be, we're going to have to sacrifice those rights as well. Once again, God's not taking anything from us. God's not going to come jerk it out of our hands. We're going to give it to him. So I'm going to power through the last bit of this. The sacrifice of others in the Word. We look at Ruth. I thought uh, Allison was going to preach my message last week when she spoke about Ruth. But she, she left out this point just for me. Thank you, Allison. Here's Ruth. She's married to Naomi's son. She has a sister-in-law that's also married to one of Naomi's sons. Both those guys die. Naomi's living in a foreign land. She decides she's going to go back to Israel. And this is what she does. She says, this is Naomi speaking. Naomi says, don't call me Naomi anymore. Call me Mara. And Mara is the Hebrew word for bitter. You ever had to deal with some bitter people? Now, she's telling them, call me bitter. Now, you go home. Go back to your parents' home. Just get away from me. And it says of the other uh, sister-in-law, Orpah, I think her name is. It says, she kissed Naomi on the cheek and she got out of there. But it says that That Ruth clung to her. You ever been ministering to somebody who's really bitter? And all they do is tell you to get away from them? Leave me alone. Go away. Stop trying. And you've got to sacrifice a little bit to say, I'm not giving up on you. I'm not quitting on you. I know that you're hurt. I know that you're broken. And I know that you're bitter because you just told me. And I've had some people tell me in some very colorful ways. (laughs) But I'm not going to give up on you. And Ruth didn't give up on Naomi. And Ruth wound up being in the lineage of Jesus because of it. How about the boy with the loaves and the fishes? How would you lie? I mean, let's just paint this picture for just a a wee second here. I just got back from England. I can say wee. (laughs) You just went to Long John Silver's, and you got some fish and fries and some hush puppies, and you're headed home with, I got my fish and fries and my hush puppies, fish and fries and my hush puppies. He's a little kid, okay? Little boy, headed home, and then he sees all this going on. What's going on over here? I think I will go find out. And he goes and he begins to listen to Jesus. And I think he begins to work his way through the crowd, and he must have got up close, and he's sitting down, and he's obviously eating his fries, because the Bible didn't say there was any fries left by the time they needed his. But those fish and hush puppies were still there. Once again, God doesn't come and take things from you. And this may seem like a very small thing, but you ever try to take food from a nine-year-old boy? <laughs> There's this great commotion going on. These people have been out here with us for so long, they're not even, they don't even have enough strength to make it back home to get something to eat. And Jesus goes, let's feed them. Don't, Jesus was one of those leaders. Let's feed them. And the disciples are like, ah, he's lost it this time. We don't have any food, Jesus. We brought some food for us. You know, but over these three days, we ate it ourselves. They should have packed themselves a lunch if they'd known they was going to be out here for so long. They didn't bring anything, so we just need to send them home. And Jesus goes, let's feed them. Let's feed them. Oh, we don't have anything. And there's that little boy sitting right there. And he's wishing he hadn't eaten his french fries because this is not going to go very far, right? (laughs) But he sacrificed. He gave. He gave. And he got to watch a miracle. (laughs) He got to watch multitudes fed. And the Bible doesn't say, well, the Bible doesn't say most of what I just said, but... uh, that was me filling in the blanks for you. That they took up basket upon basket, 12 baskets full of leftovers. And what did they do with it? I think they sitting at home with the boy. <laughs> because he was willing to sacrifice, he got to see the miracle. And God blessed him. How about the woman with the expensive perfume? This is one of my favorite stories in the entire Bible. The woman with the expensive perfume, she came and she poured it out on Jesus. And even the disciples said, why are you wasting this? Even those that should have known better were saying, why are you wasting this? But it was a sacrifice for a man who had changed her life. And Jesus looked at the disciples and, you know, you guys should have known better. He said, but every place that the good news is talked about, they're going to talk about her. She was willing to sacrifice. And what about right here in NCC? We're bringing it to a close right here. What about here in NCC? Are we willing to sacrifice to be the church that God has called us to be? We've got pockets of it. I'm not saying everybody's heart's not in it. Once again, sacrifice is giving God. This is our true worship. This is worship. Allison? Alison just worshiped the Lord by sacrificing months to love on prostitutes in Amsterdam. That's a sacrifice. That's a worship. I could brag on my own daughter, so I will. Sacrificing a year to be in England, to love on some forgotten teenagers. It's a sacrifice. What about the three amigos? Martin, Puckett, and Cameron. Sacrificing, moving giving up what they knew, what was comfortable, because they said, God's told us to come and serve in NCC. Sometimes it's big, sometimes it's small. What about the guys that just go out and work over at the new building? Is that a sacrifice at times? Absolutely. The guys out there with chainsaws cutting things up, Ron and Mark painting the building. Mark wanted to get some credit, so he put his hand in the paint, and you can, you can go over there and see his handprint in the paint. <laughs> Sometimes the Lord is asking us for big things. Sometimes the Lord is asking us for small things. But it all comes down to that heart willing to give to God, willing to sacrifice. Where is the Lord asking you? What's the Lord putting in your heart? What is the Lord speaking to you? You know, there was a time when just tithing was beyond a sacrifice for Lisa and I. There was a time when I thought it was an impossibility and the enemy will tell you that. It's impossible to give. I need it. But the Lord's not going to steal it away from me. He lets me give it as a sacrifice. He lets me give it as an offering. And as we learn to give, you know what? Tithing, 10%, became very easy to us. But the Lord always asks the next step. Because sacrifice is meant to stretch us. It's meant to change us. So now the Lord asks more of us than just our tithe. We give above and beyond. Why? Because it's it's, it's worship. It's an offering. And only you know what the Lord is speaking to your heart. What is the Lord asking of you? Where is the place of of, of true worship that the Lord wants you to engage culture? Where is it the Lord wants you to be countercultural? what he's asking you is going to be different than what he's asking the person next to you. Where are you going to worship the Lord in this? How are you going to express that revolutionary heart that goes beyond, well, I'm a member of a church. I'm glad you're a member of a church. Church is good when you have stuff you need people to rally around you. great but you go to work every day you go someplace maybe you stay at home with babies and God's challenging you to turn off the view and start doing some intercession maybe that's the place of sacrifice for you your heart what's he challenging you to do that's all that matters that's all that matters that we're faithful and honorable with that amen would you stand with me If you wouldn't mind just closing your eyes. I know when we close our eyes, we tend to bow our heads. So if you would like to bow your head as well, that's all right. We just close our eyes so we can block out what's around us. Because this is between you and the Lord. And just as you have your eyes closed, let's ask the Lord this question. I challenge you to ask the Lord this question. And honestly ask him, Lord, what area in my life or where can I truly worship you? Lord, where can I sacrifice? What is it, Lord, that you're asking of me? Take a moment and listen. And as he begins to speak something to your heart, because God is always speaking. God is always speaking. As he begins to speak something to your heart, you may need to write it down because as you leave here the enemy's going to try to talk you out of it. <laughs> you may need to walk from one side of the room to the other side of the room to ask somebody to forgive you. That can be a sacrifice. You may just need to lean over to that person that you happen to be married to and ask them to forgive you. That can be a place of sacrifice. Whatever the Lord is speaking to you the Lord is speaking to you. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to hear the voice of the Lord. Lord, we have an expectation of hearing you. And Lord, as we hear you, I ask that you would give us just the Holy Ghost boldness to step out to sacrifice to worship Lord we don't want to do it to be seen by other people we want to do it for you for your glory and for your honor because Lord we want to be closer to you in our own lives We want our families closer to you. We want our church more in tune with the rhythm of the Holy Spirit as we were encouraged this morning. Lord, do what only you can do in our hearts and in our lives. In Jesus' name. And if you receive that, just say, Lord, I receive that. I receive that. Now, just as we get ready to to dismiss, I know sometimes we hear messages like this. And you're sitting there and you're like, my life is such a mess. I've I've got hurts in my heart. I've got things going on. Hey, what you're saying sounds great. But I just need some ministry. I need somebody to process through with me. I need somebody to pray with me. And you may be here this morning and you're going through that. And guess what? That's what we love to do. We love to see people healed up of life's hurts and wounds and brokenness. So, I don't know if there's any members of the, uh, the freedom team here this morning, Elise and Jonathan, if you guys wouldn't mind just, just coming down here. We could just have just a few people down here. These guys will pray with you. These guys are not afraid to believe God with you. If you've got something going on in your life, we don't want you to leave. We don't want you to leave. Just come down and let somebody pray with you. Is that okay? For the rest of us, be bold this week in who you are in the Lord. Because there are opportunities. Sometimes we say, pray for opportunities to love on somebody in Jesus' name. Well, you you really don't have to pray for the opportunity. The opportunity is always there. We need to pray that our eyes and ears are open. (laughs) And that we just step into it. And you'll be amazed at what will come out of you. You'll be amazed at the, the love, the compassion, the power that comes out of you when you're loving people in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to go. Be blessed in Jesus' name. But once again, if you're a first-time guest with us, please fill out that card. We'd love to connect with you. The rest of you, be blessed. Have a fantastic Sunday. If you need some prayer, please come down. Please come down. Amen.